Welcome to Tilth Talk Radio. Today we're going to talk about things to think about as you move into from harvest to preparing for next year's planting. In our spotlight, we'll take a look at some different nitrogen technology used to make fertilizer. Egg History Minute, we'll talk about the invention of the corn sheller. We'll have some cool beans that's corny and some current events and wrap things up with our Field Good Friday. With me today are Bill Schomburg. Hey, guys. Max Garvey. What's up, everybody? Todd Schomburg. Hey to all the Tilthies out there. And I'm Matt Brueger, all with Tilth Agronomy. Finally. Exhale. It, it took five games, Six. but, well, losing five games, yeah. I should say. Packers won a game for the first time in a long time. They said that the Brewers had won a game. More games in since October or whatever. Since the yeah. Packers oh, sure. won their last game, the Brewers actually had won a game. Oh. Had won two. <laughs> yeah, there were two. Since, yeah, the beginning of October, the Brewers had two wins, the Packers had one. So now, now they have two. All right, Super Bowl. There you go. <laughs> Back on track. Hey, make a run. Coach McCarthy finally did something good for us. Yeah, yeah. McCarthy comes in clutch for the Packers. <laughs> Why don't you take points in overtime? Dude, I, I said it before I left for the game. I was talking to my dad. He made lunch for us before we left. I said, he, is, he was a bumbling idiot when he left. He can cover it up, polish a turd. It's still a turd. He's going to be a bumbling idiot at some point today and do something really dumb. And he did something pretty dumb. I mean, he's just paving the way for Sean Payton to take his job, so right. why not? We know Jerry wants it, so it'll happen at some point. No, I, I agree, Bill. Why, why not kick the field goal? You're in range. It's overtime. Yeah, it doesn't win you the game, but at least you make the Packers have to work for it. Have to get a touchdown or yeah. have to tie it. Not have to do what they did and convert. Yeah. After they didn't convert fourth down, oh, we'll just march down. Eh, we're not even going to try to get in the end zone. Bring out Mason. Our coach had their own dumb, dumb play, too. At the, at the end of that last series, oh. what are we doing? Like, we're not even going to try? Like, we threw... That was great to see Rodgers coming off just wild. And well, and that was the bigger bigger news yeah. story than the win was Rodgers yeah. yells well, at LaFleur. Just think if we would have lost, how big of a deal then that becomes oh, where yeah. a win kind of brushes that aside a little bit. Like, yeah, uh, yeah we're a little dysfunctional, but, but whatever but we won. In overtime, and from that point on, it was scared money don't make money, yeah. let her fly. Well, like, yeah. it was a good, like, all right, trust these I I and probably rightfully so. I think Lafleur probably has a little bit of trust issues right now well, with these guys. What I'm struggling though with Lafleur is he's the all gas no break guy. Yep. But then, and he, then always he breaks. like right. He says that, but in his actions, it's like whoa, that wasn't even close to all gas. Like, like no, hey, he was no. all gas on the running backs this week. Yeah, that I'll was take cool. That. that was cool. Yeah. It was crazy to watch. You know, they always put Rogers' stats at the bottom of the screen throughout the game. And it's like four for eight, five for ten. It's like. Ten passes, like, this is the same guy? like, Yeah, and it, at one point, because I was driving, so I was listening to a game on the radio, he was like, yeah, four for eight and 70-some yards. Well, one of those was the was a 58-yard pass. Right. Well, he, probably, so, he, had, he had three shuffle passes in there right. before that. Because they ran that shuffle pass play. So is that a pass? We were talking about yeah, that. Yeah, it's that, a pass. The, like, option pitch? That's well, a pass. It, as long yeah. as it's forward, I and, think. It, and yeah. it was, and yeah. they ran the yeah. same play they're, four times. And, and they're it not going to throw it backward because if he drops it, it's a fumble. So right. yeah, it goes as a like if they score on it, it's just like in fantasy, it's, it's a pass. It's a pass, and it's sure. a it's a receiving touchdown. Sure. So and they're receiving yards. So I thought um, that for as many injuries as the defense had, eight. I mean, they gave up. They a lost lot their of best points. player. Yeah, you know, you just lost your best guy. Rashawn Gary's out, but and Devondre Campbell, your second best guy, wasn't playing. There's a new best that, guy. That in town. Ford was Rudy Ford. Rudy man. Ford, dude, like, dude, he was awesome. He his, was, his interview after the game too, he was straight up dude, like dog. His, yeah, he dog. he just he didn't he just was like, yeah, I'm just out there playing. Like, I, what do you, like he just well, had my a, job. a career game, and yeah, he's not being all cocky like. The rest of our guys are. I'm there. sure you couldn't see it on TV because you can't see every player on every play. But my eyes were glued to him on every play on defense because he just was. He was awesome to watch. He is fighting a guy after every snap. He's flying around hitting people for no reason. There was one play 
I think it was him. He made a tackle too. He, like he stopped Pollard on one of the yeah. Room. Like yeah. he came from like the TV even stopped. The guys on TV were like, "Look at this guy. He came from 15 yards away and made this yeah. tackle." Well, and so like on that play, I the guys sitting next to us are they weren't just Packer fans. They were football guys. Like they were talking plays and not just hey go Packers, you know. And I said, "Wow, that was a really good play from Rudy Ford." And they're like, "Well, it's still a five yard gain." I said, "Yeah, you think Darnell Savage is making that play from fifteen right. yards? He was in coverage, turned, yeah, wheeled, and made a play." I'm like, come on, man! I mean, it was a good play, and he came out of nowhere. It was awesome. And he you, was he was great. In this NFL, you can't you can't expect a negative play or a one yard gain every time. Like a positive play is. One guy making a play for a five yard tackle because otherwise it's a thirty yard gain. That set up the basically the loss. Like right. that was or that set up the the no score at the end of the game for the Cowboys. That was that drive. That's yeah. when he made the play. Sure. So it was instead of a it was a five yard gain, then they got the penalty that backed him up. Tony Pollard, if he misses that tackle, he's gonna it was a touchdown. Yeah. Like there was when I mean, you had Darnell Savage on the outside twenty yards downfield. He's not He's not making that tackle. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. Like, he was awesome. It was great to see Watson make the catch he dropped in the Viking game. Yeah. Like, that yeah. first yeah. pass. And think he, of that. Like He think dropped back, it earlier in the, in the Dallas game. He dropped Twice. some. Yeah. Oh, he, like, he still got to get through some of these drop problems, but a three-touchdown game is still pretty yeah. awesome. But at least now we know he's in the caliber of, like, a James Jones or a he, Devontae he Adams. Because they, they were, they were rookie years. They were dropping but, balls. But go back right to that, like. That Viking game, if he catches that and we score, like this is a whole different season. I feel like it was like you go back to that one play and the Vikings' chances change because, I mean, obviously we'd hopefully go on to win that yeah, game, right. but who knows? Who knows? I'm just just pontificating on that because it is a wild thing of how how one, you know, when you're starting out as a rookie and the way Rodgers is after he dropped that, like he totally, like it was like, scolding a little kid that I will not, you know, go back to you for this many games, it feels like. And granted, Watson hasn't done much to earn that back yet, but you still gotta go you still gotta go to him. For all the people that talk so negatively about Aaron Rodgers, about not a team player, you know, diva, this, that, the other thing, all those negative things they say about him, they can basically shove it as far as I'm concerned. Watson dropped two Pretty easy completions. Yeah. Rodgers went back to him four more times. He did. I think right. Rodgers has figured out, like, this is who I got. Like, yeah, he doesn't like, have anybody else, right? Julio Jones isn't coming. Like, <laughs> yeah. nobody's coming here. It's the, These are the guys I got to play with. The like, British are not coming. Right. I better figure out a way to throw to these guys because Cobb's hurt, and we just got to figure it out. And then he made so she, yeah, Well, and Lazard was unusually quiet in the game until late. They they showed Lazard had this, like, because he blocks so much. He's a really good blocking yep. wide receiver. And he did this new, from what they said, it's kind of a new move where he, like, faked blocked. And then, like, that was that one catch. Sure, get, you the kinda, guy, get the guy, like, right, ten, like, ten so, so up. He, and, yeah. It's almost like a block, but he's not but, blocking, but he did so Right, and then he, so the guy kind of tensed up like he was going to block, and he just ran by him. It was It was, like... What other wide receiver is doing that? Yeah, too? Yeah. like that was wild. He doesn't have the great like uh, footwork release yet, but that block release was yeah. pretty nasty. You know, he doesn't have the quick, you know, two two chops and then a go. Right. Like you know, you watch Devontae come off the line. That's what he always had, right? He doesn't have that, and he never will. Like he's no, he's not that kind of guy, right? But he's huge. Like you forget how big Watson he is. is. He's, no, no, Lazard. Lazard's oh, Lazard. like yeah. a tight end. Lazard, yeah. He's six five. And like you're like, oh yeah, he's he's six five. You watch him stand next to a safety. Holy smokes! I don't even know how they cover him. Yeah. Huh. And the one other potentially good piece of news coming out this week was no more Mari Rogers returning. Thanks the Lord. No more flubbing. I mean Nixon. Looked really good, and he's looked good before. He's, well, he's returned another game. The thing with Nixon knows that first catch he caught it above his he holds head, that like, and he was yeah. like, and he's just one handing. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. holds that sucker like he's carrying a loaf of bread. He yeah. held it like Deion Sanders. Which, like. what's funny is I have never carried a loaf of bread like that. But you know exactly what I'm talking about when I say he holds that thing like a loaf of bread. But yeah, he he, he caught it like, like an outfielder. His head, he and then it was like running with it in one hand. Yeah, and then he went to try and switch hands as he's being tackled. Like I was like. Hold on to the ball, but with one hand he could hold on better. And, than and he did, Rogers. yeah. He, he held on to the ball. He didn't lose it. 
So yeah. I'm sure they'll work with him on that this week in practice. It's probably part of the game film. Like, hey, yeah, you know, it worked, but please never do that again. Aaron Jones needs to work on hanging on to the ball. I had a teaching moment with my son. Ah, uh, let me guess. Let me guess. Son, when you're running down the sideline, <laughs> change the yeah. ball to your outside Ding. hand. I don't. They're Ding. not teaching that at all. Like in the NFL anymore. So you don't. Is, you, but, you you know you're supposed to move the ball and then kind of yeah take your other hand yeah. over the top and just move it to the yeah. It was exact that exact moment. I'm like, he fumbled Liam because. He kept the ball on the inside, inside hand. Yeah. You need to move it to the outside. They can't get to it near as easy when it's on the outside, right? But yeah, that was that was like middle school football 101, like move the ball to the outside hand, Dingleberry. But I think he thought he was gone. I don't think he realized how close anybody were, was. Yeah. I think he thought, oh, I'm gone, gone. It is amazing to watch him catch the corner, though. Like he gets that He's... corner and... Even on his touchdown run where he did his Marshawn Lynch thing, he got the corner and was gone. And what's funny is he doesn't look like he changes speed at all. No. But all of a sudden, it's just he's one of those guys. He's got these big, long strides, and he's just whoop, gone. And you're like, where did that come from? He doesn't, And he doesn't look like he's no. running. Like yeah, It's not like some guys where you see him kicking the afterburners, and all of a sudden, they're you just see him moving differently. Like it's, he, it's just yeah. He runs hard, but it doesn't always look like it. It just he looks like he's gliding almost, but watch, he's flying. Watch Yelich run the bases. It's a lot yeah. like that. Like Yelich isn't fast, but his strides are so long. It's like he runs oh. the bases fast. We're gonna get a really good look at a guy who doesn't look that fast, but is that fast uh, tomorrow on Thursday night? Yeah. Because Derrick Henry never looks like he's that fast, and all at once he's, he's twenty yards from everybody. And yeah. you're like, oh, okay. But yeah, you think about like the Jamal Charles, right? We all remember right. Jamal Charles. He'd put his he- remember he'd put his head down, and then his legs would just move, lightning quick, but shorter strides. He, you could tell he was running hard. Aaron Jones, he, it never changes. He's just crushing all the time. So, and AJ Dillon is still super fun to watch. Like the just this, it's a different sound when guys tackle him. He's still missing holes though. Yeah, no, he's not a pure runner. He's yeah. just big, strong, athletic, battering ram. It, but mm-hmm. it's like like when Aaron Jones gets tackled, it's a completely different sound than when AJ Dillon. When he gets tackled, it's like a freaking bomb going off in the middle of the field. It's loud. It's different. So, both fun, thunder and lightning. Yep. Speaking of fun, how's it going, Max, with your big win? Like, are you? Yeah, Disney was good. Yeah, Disney was really good. <laughs> a week later, um, my six endorsement deals I signed are really good. Ooh. Of course, because we're independent, I didn't sign with any agronomy companies. I signed with a Nike, uh, yeah. Body Armor. Oh, it, um, depends. You signed with Depends. depends um, <laughs> for hymns. For him, like uh, yep. all the active, the, the active wear. So that was you with Snoop Dogg in that commercial. Yeah, that was me, Snoop, and Martha. Oops, that was the pistachio commercial. Uh-huh. So, yeah. No, it's been. Uh, I don't. My life has not changed at all. Um, <laughs> it's it's just another day in paradise. Yep. I did have a couple of people reach out to me and say, like, did that really win the plot? Or I knew you had a good team when you drafted them, so I did, that was That's, uh, yeah, that was funny. So it was good. Couple good. Of, is your wife proud of you? She like oh, super, yeah, super. <laughs> or sleep could, next to a or couldn't care any less, right? It's uh, like oh, you, oh, good for you. I don't know if she knows. Knows. I think she does. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Sure. Sure. I like that. Yeah. Sure. She probably does. She follows us on Facebook. So I she thought your does. mom would call too and just. Be like, no. Hey, John Max. No. No. Grandma was pretty pumped. Ooh, grandma. Grandma. Yes. grandma was pumped. Nice. Grandma yep. was pumped. She wants. She wants to know if I'm getting a raise or not now. And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> that's not part of this deal. I'm like, I don't think that's part of. Like, well, at first she said, how much money did you guys all have in the kitty? How much did you win? That was her first thing. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not quite like that. But you get a free lunch out of the deal. It's all so. pride. Pr- yeah, pride. And Chick-fil-A. Pride and Chick-fil-A. Yes. <laughs> so. All right. You guys ready to get into our topic for today? Let's go. <clears throat> so as things are starting to wrap up, you know, we got some snow this week that we... Not that we weren't expecting, but you know, it's more it, than what it's I, more, yeah, it's, more than they're like, oh, we'll get a little bit and more on the way. Tuesday night, it was kind of nastier driving than I expected. Yep, it was just how the day was, and then the day kind of was meh, and then it kind of ramped up, right? Yeah, that night it, there was some visibility times where it was a little iffy, and but uh, but yeah, so harvest starting to wrap up, 
obviously there's still some crops out in the field, but you know, things are, are starting to wind down, I think for a lot of guys. So don't forget to look back as you're getting ready for plant 2023. So what does that mean? Well, yield's a great topic for discussion. Yeah. You can brag about how well your fantasy team did. Like Max had 3550 won the platform, but yield data shouldn't just sit in the drawer. How many times, you know, Oh, well, pull it off the combine, throw it in that desk drawer and it never gets looked at again. Make sure, you know, whether it's you, your agronomist, your, you know, whoever, financial planner, somebody should be looking at that data. <laughs> and Matt, even if it's the number, like, yeah, you got the fancy map, right? But even if it's just looking at that final number, I was talking to a grower last week and we were trying to figure out because he was disappointed with a couple of fields this year. Like last year it was... 220 and this year it's 190 like it's still good yields but like how did we lose 30 bushels so like if you got some of those things that you can like use benchmarks to like this is what it did in 2021 this is what it did in 2022 what did we do different you know if it went up what did we do to do different to make it go up if it went down you know just some of those like compare and contrast things too what yield data is coming in so far it is an interesting year in that I feel like the top, say, 10% fields from last year, past year, still are, say, your top field. Like, that didn't necessarily, they didn't get Right, your good fertility fields aren't going to lose right. fertility you're, you're like, good, overnight. Yeah, your yeah. good fields were good. But, like, those middle ones were super weird. Like, Variable. Had, yeah, Variable. They were, like, ones where you're like, man, this one's, even doing, like, hand checks, I'm like, this one's going to be, you know, 240, it looks great. And then all of a sudden, the combine comes through and it's at 180, and you're like, well, whoa, where did... You know, and there's talk of, like, this phantom yield loss thing and stuff going on. But really just to assess your own field and see what, you know, what it what it could be and go, you know, start backtracking. Did we have tissue samples on the field? What does the soil test say? You know, just looking at all those, fa- you know, looking back at scouting notes, we could look at that too. But I, that was odd this year, I felt like, is the the top was still the top, the bottom was still sort of the bottom. But those ones that were, like, close to the bottom – some of those, like in past years, did pretty well. So it was like this weird middle ground that was was different. So, yeah, it's kind of taking a look at that. I agree, Bill. It's just there's probably enough growers too that are on like climate or those kinds of things that show you in season like aerial imagery. Yeah, maybe those are some things you could look back to too. Like, oh yeah, remember this happened. You know, we get to the point now, and we sometimes we forget about even just weather data. I mean. How much rain did we get in June, July, August? Because that was like those fields, very variable this year. There were areas to the north that were dry. There were, you know, we had probably adequate moisture to, you know, excess in some areas where they got early or mid-season deluges of rain. Right. Um, You know, Max and I were talking, he had a field that was literally like, burned up and drowned out in the same field. Same, yeah. And it still yielded better than what he thought. It went up 50 bushels from last year to this year. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But but just even things like that, looking at, drain, like, I think even some of his drainage stuff was, you know, tile's always great, but even some surface drainage or some, you know, looking at maybe ditching a field or something like that because it's not, you know, it, it doesn't have the drainage part. Yeah. Um, so even though you've probably already booked your seed for next year, because it seems earlier every year, they probably were out there in July asking what, what you wanted for seed. Um, you know, you could still either adjust your order most of the time or, um, placements can be changed. So whether you're looking at yield, like Todd said, or some of these other factors, these middle fields that performed kind of odd, you can look at placement of seed and say, okay, I had this on this ground and, you know, it either did really well or really bad, maybe I'll swap it out for, you know, one of these other varieties and and try to make those moves as well. It's not that you have to plant the same corn in the same field every year. You you can start making a plan for how you want to look at that placement based on yield, fertility, some of those other things. And uh, hopefully you'll get all the seed that you ordered. But, you know, sometimes you got to make those changes in spring. So having a couple couple ideas of how to place these varieties isn't always a bad thing as you're moving through winter. Um, to the soil test end of it, you may have already put out some fall fert because with fertilizer prices being variable, maybe now is the time to, to hit 
Matt, is the price going to go up or down? Yes. <laughs> no, no. I need an. I need a. I need a one hundred percent for sure answer. Yes. Yeah. Right. It's going to go that up. Is the, and it's yes, going to go down. Go down. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, winter's a great time to go over those fresh soil tests. If you pulled some this fall, see what else you might want to apply in the spring. Maybe you'll pick up on some trends that you know from the last test that hey we're we're maintaining, so I shouldn't change my fertility program at all if I can afford to. Um, you know, if you're building more than you wanted to, maybe we can back off and save yourself some money. Um, so there's there's lots of opportunities to to make adjustments on based on those soil tests. And like I said, even if you put out some fall fertilizer, we know you got to put nitrogen out next year. If there's something you got to add or adjust, you can throw it out with that either in pre-plant or side dress situations, depending on on what the needs of your field are. So. Don't forget about pH. Yes. We talk a lot, especially the I, four of us, about P and K a lot. And in our area, there's not a lot of fields that require lime, but just don't forget about yeah, that. Every and once in a while, you can be shocked by a field that needs right, it. Right. And the hard part is there's not a lot of places that will spread lime. <laughs> Availability of lime right now is hard. And I've even heard some, what would you call them, gravel pits that are selling. They're not, like you can't get 80, 89 anymore because they're not grinding it as fine because it takes longer. So they're just selling sure. it as 60, 69. So just stuff like that where I, I think availability of getting lime next spring is going to be extremely difficult. So you're going to want to have that all set this fall and well, look at pH. At pH right now is still that, you know, like lime's gone up in price, but not like what P and K have. No. So it's still your sort of cheapest way to, to ameliorate that. And then even looking at what you can do in high pH too. How do we make sure there's the right amount of sulfur in the program to try to bring that high pH down but yeah whatever you can do to adjust pH is should always be number one you can uh you can I mean I don't know how you guys feel but we got a lot more window to spread lime too like I'm not afraid to spread it now yet or you know basically oh, all winter like right. I don't really what's weird with lime is I've spread it now we've spread it on like hay fields during hay during, yeah, right. yeah which during I would like growing hay, which yeah. I didn't like we can't do that and it just seems like We've found yeah. ways to spread it, like you say, man. Lime is a go anywhere, go anytime kind of yeah. deal. So, like, do haul it on Christmas Day for you know it's yeah. not going to. I mean, take Christmas Day off, but you know what I'm saying. There's <laughs> not like a basically. There's a point here where we're going to say, hey, maybe it's a good idea to quit spreading dap and some stuff like that. It's just yeah. kind of a waste. Lime, I don't feel like no, we ever get there. Like so, got all winter to do it. I know last year, um, one of the lime companies they were only allowing guys to buy like so much at a time because like we have to service everybody. So it took us three months to spread the lime we needed for one guy, you know, cause they could only get so much a week. So. Yeah. I do want to stress like, so two years ago, that was when we had our sale on potash in ILK mm-hmm. episode. So that went from like extreme low prices to now being, you know, basically record high. So that's the other part is hopefully at that, that, you know, that year you were, well, in this, it, and, and obviously all the other economics that year were different. So it doesn't just mean like, just because it was cheap doesn't mean you were, your profitability was any different. But what I would say is, you know, you had a plan then to hopefully kind of do a little extra. And then these last two years, you maybe did a little less than normal, but you still want to keep with your plan and you want to watch yourself. Like, I, I think you guys are 100% right. Is any fresh soil test you took this fall, you want to look at them and make sure you're really watching them. I, I would say soil tests are more valuable now than ever because they can help you decide what you really need out there to grow a good crop next year. Because this isn't either the, when you look at economics, it doesn't seem like right now is the right time to go like low input, low output it is not, the economics. there are a lot tighter than if you still, I don't say high input, but you still do the right amount of inputs to still try to get a good yield to, to kind of get a good profit then too. Right. It kind of all goes into planning, you know, <clears throat> and you have to understand that if you fertilize less, you're either going to be mining your soil more or potentially taking a yield hit because the fertility is not there. So you have to be understanding of, you know, those yield numbers, maybe they changed because of the changes you made to the fertilizer program. And it's not, not that agronomically anything really happened funny or different. It's, because of how we're managing. Um, 
another thing, you know, everybody's going to do it at some point through the winter, but remember, look, at, look over your planter, your equipment, your drill, probably sooner rather than later because parts are still uh, potentially going to be hard to get. And, you know, maybe you on that last field, something broke, seed from her busted off, and you, you were going to let it go because you were almost done. Or, you know, oh, that does, double that disc openers. That never happens, Matt. <laughs> double disc openers looking pretty worn, but you know what? I got 50 acres and I'm not stopping. It's going to rain. Yep, make sure you get on top of that stuff and, and be ready because, like I said, new parts could be a little while before you get them, so better to be on the early side if you can. I do I do feel like fall is a weird time, even in our business, because everything is less... Um, Urgent, or, yeah. yeah. There's no, there's urgency. no urgency. You yep. don't, yeah. you know. It's like, well, I got till next spring. I got to, and like, even talking stuff in general too. On, I, I need some information from a grower, and they're like, well, when do you need? It? I'm like by March. And like, oh, okay. Like, like March <laughs> so, is so like, then February twentieth, right? You'll get it, so right? like, it's like, oh, March. That's forever. But it's a weird time where trying to still be somewhat diligent this time of year. Of okay, I, like you say, man, looking at your planter is a great example of. I, you know, depending what's in your shop, what you're working on, yeah, roll your planner in and start getting that, you know, doing but the maintenance it, on that. But it's doing so the, easy, right, for guys to put them away and yep. then right. get them out. Well, it's it. buried in the back of the shed. What yeah. I'm doing. Get it out in March and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember all these things that I needed to fix on it. And now you call your supplier and they're like, yep, it's six weeks out or it's eight weeks out. And you're like, ooh. I could yeah. be planting in six weeks. Yeah, like, right. Even, <laughs> even right now to inventory parts needs in general like that's hard to do because until you open things up and see but you know getting bearings getting all that stuff in so you got all winter to to sort of work it on you're not pulling something in the shed and then it's you're waiting on parts so now you gotta wait long you know it used to be like oh i gotta wait a week so it's sitting in your shop for a week in the corner while you're waiting on parts well this could be month you know longer now so and i don't know about you guys but you know next week's thanksgiving then it's deer hunting season deer hunting, yeah then it's christmas New it's, Year's. It does seem like meeting that. season, and uh, now it's the farm show. Okay, like <laughs> there's no right. shoot. We're in Oshkosh for the farm from, show. From like this Friday, you know, like opening day is this weekend, right? From opening day of gun season to New Year's it's is fast. like you. You're like, oh, I can't wait for Christmas. I can't, and then it's gone. And you're like, yep. whoa, where did that go? And then it's January, you know, and you're like, okay, start working on. We do the same thing, right? We go, better start working I, on plans. We got till March. Like, we'll get it. And then all of a sudden, it's March. And you're yep. like, holy. Yeah. It, you know, that's you, why we like doing a lot of planning sessions, you know, November, December to kind of get stuff started for next year. But even that feel every year is like, it feels, I don't want to say it feels early. It just, it's like you want to put to bed 2022 and enjoy that win, you know? Yeah. Like, you kind of like, it's like when the school year ends and you're like, oh, that was so great. And, you're playing schools out for the summer, and and then summer flies by. And it, yeah, summer flies by, and then you got the next school. You're like, oh, and I just feel like that's how in fall I feel is like, God, this is so good. And I just, you know, you just it, you got to really do take time to enjoy 2022, but at the same time, not forget 23s coming. Like and, you got that. Yeah, and we're not coming. saying you should sit down and necessarily make all the changes, but maybe order the parts so they're yeah, on their way. Like get the inventory done. And then take your time off so that when you do finally work on the planter, I, things are sitting there. Like, I always oh, okay. try to decide, like, even in our job, if we acted urgent now, like, like I got to get this nutrient management plan done tomorrow. Like, what, you know, and then, like, March wouldn't would be March so urgent. be, like, this you know, you just wouldn't do anything. But every time I've tried that, like, March is still crazy. You know, or, like, yep. you're still, like, March, April to get ready for this then season. something changed or right. something happened. Right. Yeah. It just, so that's part of it, too. Like I said, enjoy the win. Enjoy how fall is. Enjoy the holidays, but at the same time, yeah, be thinking ahead. And finally, you know, we're a little more than a month out from Christmas. It's down to like thirty. It's in the thirty <clears throat> days, which is crazy till Christmas. Ooh. That's yeah. Mariah Carey. You just boo Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Mariah Carey's <laughs> been on the radio through, for three weeks now. It's you know, it's through Thanksgiving, Max. All I want for Christmas is is you, but also maybe it's a good time to get your wish list together. So if you have to spend some money before the end of the year, you have an idea of what you need. That's another thing. Parts can be expensive. And things are more expensive now. You know, if you, if you're going to be spending your money, you know, earlier, Bill kind of smiled when I said talk about yields with your financial planner. But you know, that's part of your money making 
situation. So meeting with them before the end of the year always seems to happen too. Don't wait to schedule that. Get an idea where you're at so that, you know, you can enjoy Christmas and not have to worry about, oh, shoot, now I got to figure out what to do with, you know, this or that or whatever you, you want. There's too many examples to sit and run down a list, but a lot of things that um, that you maybe need or want. So get that wish list together now. Think of it like writing your Christmas list. Here's what I need. You know what I think is weird about this coming, like talking Christmas? It's on a weekend this year, like Christmas Eve, Saturday, yep. yeah, Christmas Saturday, Day, Sunday. Sunday. Which is going to be wild. So then you got Which means like, that Friday will be observed, I guess. Probably. Oh, is it? Yeah. I don't or know. Mon- so you got like or Monday. Monday's the twenty sixth. You know, so, and then thirtieth's a Friday. So like usually that week, you know, you're doing your sort of year end tax stuff, purchases, all that. And sometimes when Christmas is on a different day, like it throws that all out of whack. Where you got like <laughs> sort it of almost that ends a business like you like, have one less business day. Right, right. Yeah. Where this well, like, you get like four less business days when you think about like <laughs> right. you do. Then you, if New Year's is on, yeah, yep. So like I, it'll be. In, I don't. So you're saying it's this good? I I think so, but I feel like you're going to cram everything in that last. Then the 26th through the 30th is going to be like a a nuts week because you're like, well, oh, I got a whole full week to figure out my year end and stuff, and yeah. Whereas like most years, it's like you better get it done by Christmas because. After that, nobody, you can't, you know, it's hard to get people. It's hard to. And here's the deal. Weird. Even if you say, like, I'm taking, I'm taking the Christmas Eve. I'm not working at all that day. Like, I'm just going to be with family, whatever. If there's something open or there's something you can work on and get done and you know someone could use it that day, you're going to do it. Like, you know, you're going to. But if it's on Sunday, you know, nobody's open. Nobody can take your money. No, like, it's good. We're good. We can just move on. Right. That helps a lot. I La- think. Last so the last Christmases that were on, like, Sundays, 05, 11, 16, 22, so this year. But then it's not till 33, 39, oh. 44. Like, it's a weird, like... Sure, it's, with how it's... The kids are probably sad because this is, like, going to be one of the shortest Christmas breaks yeah. they can get. Yeah. Yep. But they just came off, was it last year or the year before, or was, like, the total opposite it's of huge. The It was, like, 16 sure, days long yeah. or something Sure, because like you had... There's, you know, Thursday, Friday, probably. And, was, yeah, yeah. If, if Christmas Eve is on a Thursday... Right? Then you get... No, you want it on a Wednesday. <laughs> you want it on a Wednesday. Yeah. Because they're not going to have school on Friday. Yeah. The day after Christmas. Sure. And then that would... Or put, the day after New Year's Day either. Right. And then New Year's gets... Yeah. That's but, the perfect... That's what's always weird with Christmas to New Year's too is like a week. Right. So like, yeah. So like I said, you got Christmas on a weekend, then you got New Year's Eve. Which when you were a kid seemed like on, forever. Like, oh, it's oh, so nice. Right. It was great. And then now as an adult, you're like... 12 days. Oh, what happened? It's the 12 yeah. days of Christmas? If it's on a Wednesday, that's 12 days. Yeah. See? I know. I remember. <laughs> you were that kid that was like... All we did on Christmas break was wrestle. That's all we did. Like, it was eat and wrestle and sleep a little bit. So, yeah. I, Christmas break was awesome at my house. You want, so, you want Christmas Eve on a Wednesday. So, Christmas yeah. on a Thursday. That's the most bang for your buck. You wrestled at school or in the house? It depended. Brothers. It depended. Not gonna say we didn't have a copy of the key. We always had wrestling practice over well, yeah, was, winter break. That too. was not. We usually had yeah, a tournament. It was not fun. That that you know, like you just yeah. at least you gained a pound, right? You could they added. Yeah, you a get pound. a pound for Christmas and a pound oh, for New Year's. Yeah, that was cool. But like, so New Year's you get two pounds essentially. Starting January, you get a pound for each month. So you get a pound for January and a pound for February and a pound for March if you make it to March. Wow. So yeah, you get but you get a pound for Christmas. That's the that's the cool part. Should get a pound for Thanksgiving, but but, they but don't nobody's weighed in before Thanksgiving. That's the problem. Right. So they get, have to be like, oh. Anyway, yeah, it was. But next, yeah, that's next how you Christmas get, on a Thursday is twenty twenty five. So that should be the. It's coming. Twenty twenty five. Mark it on your calendars, people. <laughs> Longest Christmas vacation from school you can get. <laughs> You're gonna go bonkers because yeah, your kids are home for extra your days. Your grocery bill is about to triple. <laughs> Better save those leftovers. Yeah, just make your kids be rest. Well, they gain a pound, so I guess they'll you free pound, stay. dude. <laughs> All right, so there's some ideas to think about as you're wrapping up Harvest 22. Make sure to keep an eye on what you did this year before you get too ready for Plant 2023. All right, now we'll move into our spotlight for today.
So we've talked a lot about fertilizers and stuff with the prices going up and availability being limited some, somewhat. So nitrogen made different than ever before is what we're looking at today. So in 2018, a company called Nitricity, they've been working to make fertilizer in a different way. The company refers to its process as harnessing the power of lightning and it has developed a system which requires three inputs, electricity, water, and air. So at the core, their process just uses electricity. Test systems pull water from an irrigation system, charge it with nitrogen, then reintroduce the water with our fertilizer product to be applied to the field. Using low-cost electricity from solar lets us <clears throat> lower the cost of fertilizer to growers. Products of the system are nitric acid or calcium nitrate. The early prototypes have 10 to 50 kilowatt solar arrays connected to the nitricity on-site system housed in a shipping container, and there are no byproducts or waste from this nitrogen fixation process. So Very that, cool. Yeah, I, yeah. Cool name. I mean, nitricity, cool name. We've always talked about the lightning thing. Like. Nitricity reminds me of Scrantonicity. Scrantonicity, yeah. Scrantonicity. Is that from The Office? It's Kevin or? Malone's band in The Office. <laughs> nice. Nice. So, yeah, it's currently used in the western U.S., focused on specialty irrigation crops, tomatoes, berries, nuts, um, fruits. So, calcium nitrate product has additional benefit of reducing blossom end rot, which is apparently an issue in those crops. So, their business model has allowed them to at least have some working systems, but they're hoping to get a um, 50,000 to 100,000 acres could be serviced by one system on farm or, you know, centralized in that number of acres. Fertilizer could be produced within 50 miles of where it's being used. So shipping cost, trucking cost would be, you know, minimal. And it's a very interesting concept. We'll see what happens as they continue to grow their business and how viable it becomes. But yeah, it seemed like a kind of a cool thing. Now we'll move into our Ag History Minute. Excuse me. So now we've moved into, you know, grain harvest and we're ending the season. We often forget about the old corn chiller. Something that we use as agronomists to kind of help us get those corn samples processed, but uh, not something quite as commonly used on farm anymore. The modern corn sheller is commonly at, attributed to Lester E. Dennison from Middlesex County, Connecticut. Dennison was issued a patent on August 12, 1839 for a freestanding, hand-operated machine that removed individual kernels of corn by pulling the cob through a series of metal-toothed cylinders which stripped the kernels off the cob. Soon after, other patents were granted for similar machines, sometimes having improvements over Dennison's original design. Whole corn cobs fed in, they are pulled between the two toothed wheels, Usually made of metal, each wheel spins the opposite direction of each other. The teeth pull the kernels off the corn cob until there are no kernels left. And the kernels fall out through a screen into a container, such as a bucket, placed underneath the machine. Cob is then ejected out, and since it cannot pass through the screen. So I know we all have personal experience do, using do corn shellers. That, but that Grandpa's corn sheller that we pulled out of the back of the, you know, found in the back of the shed is from 1839? Or oh, I don't know if it's that for, old, no. but it's... For sure, uh, early 1900s. I mean, it's the I same concept. Yeah. I mean, and it, what's wild is it looks the same as some of his early right. drawings of it. You know, like it, not a lot changed in Yeah, that it's not something that yeah, drastically no. shifted. And really, uh, I think we've all learned as well the how big of a factor of moisture is when you're trying to shell corn. Yeah. Um, it's one thing for the combine to struggle, but it's a whole other thing when you're shoving a cob in there and no, those you are, struggle to turn the crane. Yeah, and those metal spikes just make a mash out of it if yeah. it's above about 30%. Right. Like, you just you still got to shell it by hand. But bo below 30 or you get, you know, low 20s and she'll, she'll eat. All that 19% corn just rockets through that. And it, yeah. it's amazing at that percentage. It just, every kernel's gone, right? It just... It'll take every kernel off. You get 
the higher moisture and you got half the cob. <laughs> yeah. Half the kernels left on it's the cob. Still, it's still for some reason too satisfying watching the cob pop out at the end like clean even um it's like a good I, job every time a cob comes up. Good yeah. Job. Like I have my job. kids help me shell and some and like yeah, like they just when they watch that pop cob pop out, it was it was just like this such a satisfying feeling of like you did it and it was way quicker than hand shelling it. So Yeah, honestly the biggest change I think to the corn sheller in since eighteen thirty nine was probably when they added like pulleys and motors to it so that you could not have to hand, hand crank, crank it. it. That was probably the biggest I think the one we got here we could put a belt on it if we wanted to. Yeah, yeah some of them have the, the either or, yeah. Yep. It's definitely a man eater belt. Like you're gonna have to watch it big time, <laughs> gonna, but it would it, you there a man, used to be a, a man eater. There used belt. to be a belt on it. Like they had a belt system that would run that like grinder. Yep. And then There's two grinders. Yeah. What else? I don't know. But I think it would go to that you could go to the sheller too with yeah. it if you want. Yeah. Sure. Oh so you guys are really shelling corn with that. You hooked it on the tractor. Love it. Yeah, they had a little pulley on the side of the tractor, and you hooked it. There's a, there's a reason. This big. There's a reason you don't know a lot of farmers that have all their fingers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the only thing more dangerous is the corn picker. Yeah. Oh, you mean the finger pincher 5,000? Oh, it does more than pinch the fingers. <laughs> so my dad always called it the finger pincher 5,000. You're either a farmer or a shop teacher if you see someone walking around with only a couple fingers, because most likely it met its terrible end on some sort of machinery. All right, thanks, Matt. Thank you to all your our farmers out there. We appreciate you. Um, just all we asked about listening to our podcast is you tell a farmer friend. So especially last week, we had our big finale of our corn league and fun episode. So tell them to listen to that. And all you got to do is search Tilth on any podcast player. So we're on Apple Podcasts, on Android. And if you want to listen on your computer or smartphone browser, you go to tilthag.com slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tilth Talk Radio. On the Facebook's great. We got Max's uh exuberant just, yeah his uh win. Yeah. Thank you to Jake for filming that. It was like a one minute clip, but it was like perfect. He yeah, it was like almost like he knew who to pan to or something. I don't know, but he he's kind of panning everybody and then maybe he had insight and impr- he might insider information he before might have just we known. all did. And yeah, I'm just seeing Max's Let's go, baby. So it was it was a good time. I really wanted to win. Like, I really <laughs> wanted to win. We know that. Really? Couldn't tell. So I went out there and stomped everybody's corn over all year. Every couple <laughs> weeks, I'd just go out there and knock a couple more plants out. If there's one, they won't notice. Yeah. Yeah, actually, uh, that's our surprise for you today, Max, is we had a game camera out there. <laughs> <laughs> and we have the film, the footage. <laughs> Him skipping through his plots with urea, just spreading it around, and then stomping everybody else's. Someone did ask me, they're like, well, so what did you do different? And I said, well, I went out and sung to mine every night. And they're like, oh, you must be a really good singer. (laughs) No, he sung to ours all night. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that would be more productive probably for me to win. He's the one that let the bear loose out in the plots. Corn has ears. Yeah, I let the bear loose. (laughs) Whoops. All right. Now we'll move into our current events. So we'll do some cool beans. That's corny. So cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Cool beans. Our cool beans this week. Corn and soybean harvest are nearly complete. Winter wheat continues to improve in its condition. So as of November 13th, we are at 93% of corn harvested, which is ahead of the five-year average at 85%. In the top 18 corn-growing states, harvest is over 90% complete in every state, with the exception of Colorado, Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. So I, yeah. <laughs> I feel so, like that 7% is all the fields I have to soil sample yet. More than likely. <laughs> uh, soybeans are at 96% complete. Five-year average is normally around 91%. And in the top 18 growing soybean states, soybean harvest is over 90% complete in every state besides Kentucky, North Carolina, and Tennessee. So we didn't make that list. So you guys good. got any beans standing yet, Bill? Not, no. the, not farms that I work with, but the guy that rents my dad's land, his soybeans are still sitting. At least they were last I saw. Hopefully he got them off before the snow, but I'll find out this weekend. Uh, wheat... U.S. D. 
USDA reports that 96% of winter wheat has been planted, which is slightly ahead of the five-year average of 93%. Winter wheat emergence is at 81%, which is on pace with the five-year average of 81%. So 32% of it is good to excellent, which is up 2% from last week. 36% is rated fair, and 32% is poor or very poor. So last year at this time we were at 46% good excellent. Good to excellent, so that one's down a little bit, but with some of the harvest issues and stuff we've seen, at least in, in Wisconsin, it's understandable to see why the winter wheat might be a little behind. But overall, um, looks like nationwide we're in pretty good shape. Our, that's corny this week. So, you know, we've talked about it a number of times, it just keeps popping up, and here we are the week before Thanksgiving. Expect Thanksgiving turkey prices to go up thanks to avian influenza. Again, in November here, we've had more cases. Uh, Wright County, Iowa had a 1 million commercial table egg layer farm get a confirmed case. Uh, November 8th in Lehigh County, Pennsylvania, a commercial turkey bird flock of 17,000 birds had a confirmed case and commercial upland upland game producer in Jefferson County, Wisconsin, with 180,000 birds, also had a confirmed case on November 7th. So it's not going away, still hanging around. Um, I did see some pretty variable prices looking at turkeys. There were Aldi's. Anywhere from 99 cents a pound to... Go to Aldi's, Butterball. Yeah? Max is shaking his head. You're, you're <laughs> on crack, man. First of all, Wisconsin born and bred Jenny O Turkey, <laughs> number one. Number two, don't eat it. That's plain and simple. Don't eat. You don't like tenderloin on Thanksgiving, fellows. Oh jeez, <laughs> tenderloin and crab. Wow, guys, wow. guys eating fringe. Well, you fancy pants. One tradition. Or like, you guys met my dad. Yeah, you guys met my dad or not? <laughs> he wins one fantasy plot. Now he's got to. have... No, nah, I think we're doing. Crab. I think we're doing. I can't eat anything below we, tenderloin. We so. do actually usually have turkey for Thanksgiving, but yeah, I could live without it. Ooh, deep frying. Yep, that's never used to doing that. Almost burned my face a couple times, but <laughs> Traeger. I'm Don't going, do that anymore. Going on the Traeger. Traeger. You want Traeger turkey for Traeger. Thanksgiving? Did it last year, oh, yep. brother! Now, do you inject your turkey with anything? You have to brine it for a couple of days, and, and then you are you take, doing a spatchcock? You take butter and you put it underneath yeah. the skin. Yeah, is that what that's called? Where you no, where you cut it in half and lay it no out. No. Oh yeah. So if you cut the breastbone out and then lay the turkey yeah. flat, it'll cook more evenly, and you won't like burn the outsides because it's not like you know. Yeah. But yeah, I think we're doing Thanksgiving at the hospital this year. My Ooh. dad's got to work, so we're gonna do Thanksgiving at the hospital. So it'll be interesting. Well, that's kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I don't it know. Saves sure. on having to clean the house. Just Yeah. But it was eighty cents a pound cheaper at all these than oh than Walmart. Yeah, I've like I said, I've seen them from ninety nine cents up to like almost three bucks a pound. Are, like depending a where you go. Are there big enough ones in there yet? You know, I got like a nineteen pounder. Yeah, I don't okay. know how sometimes you, you know get to the end and there's only like eight pounders and no, yeah. you might as well get a big chicken. You, you got your a kids twenty one pounder at Costco the other day for yeah. ninety nine cents a pound. Nice. So your kids fight over the wishbone? No, no, we it, used to. I mean, that's yeah, a we thing, did. But yeah, like we I, did, and I like know. growing up, my kids have done it. But yeah, yeah, really, you're supposed to let it dry out and everything. And yeah, we don't do that. You usually, just do it after dinner. Todd and our mom, my mom would. Oh yeah, she would hang, hang it, it on that one cabinet. There was a cabinet that she would just hang it, it there like and the let it dry for cabinet. a week. We, yeah. and we'd all watch it. And be like, who's gonna get the? We have a window. Yeah, basically only two of us What's out of the, the four. story. Yeah, at least get to break it, and then the other. Yeah. We had a window above our sink in the kitchen, and the window cr- like it had a crank, like yep, to, yep. and you like you could hang it over the crank right above the sink, and then you could just crack that window a little bit, and it got plenty of airflow coming. <laughs> but a week, yeah, nice. You should put it in your, like leave the the Traeger running and just <laughs> get back in the there after. Let it run for ten minutes. We're <laughs> having smoked wishbone. Smoking the wishbone. All right, now we'll wrap things up with our feel good Friday. So this week we're talking flexible 4-H programming, helping to engage more youth. So the head of Michigan's 4-H program says virtual ag literacy projects created during the pandemic remain in high demand. They've continued to offer a plethora of online experiences for youth. It says flexible education formats can also cause 
have also caused increased demand for special interest or spin 4-H clubs, which help youth and volunteers cover more topics in less time. Majority of 4-H clubs are year-round 4-H. Spin clubs are six- to eight-week programs where kids can participate in just one club or they can do multiple things. Um, so just another way to get more involved, learn, get more kids learning about ag, which is always a good thing. And programs are uh, help youth that aren't able to show livestock can still experience animal and veterinary science projects along with a hundred other topic areas. And this is the 10th year they've been doing the spin club programming. Hmm. So Does the Wisconsin sp- do that? I've never heard of it. Like, I have not, and we Matt should. I have kids in 4-H and... It struggled through the pandemic mightily, like the meetings yeah. just over. And I think Zoom they try or, to do like I mean, programming, but this sounds like something where you know you could. It'd be easy to integrate into the system rather than having your project learning days. You can do yeah. like a course. So yeah, I, I, not that I'm aware of, but it'd be kind of cool to. You get, you guys don't need this. All your kids are showing steers this year, and your kids oh, yeah. are showing pigs, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, my my fa- I tried to get my daughter signed my, for my favorite, like cat show, horseless horse. <laughs> like that sounds amazing. Yeah, no, because I I just think it's hilarious that for the like, kids that want to learn about horses but don't have one, but no other like they don't have like goatless goat, beefless beef, or cowless pigless cow. pig. Yeah, like why just the horse gets the horseless horse? The, you know, like definition, which it just is wild to me. So, so what do you do for a horseless horse? You get one of them I, stick you ponies. Just, you got to watch all the other rich kids with the horse, I guess. I don't know. It'd be, Is it like yeah. at Texas Roadhouse where you just get a saddle? <laughs> yeah, you saddle. sit on the saddle. No idea. I think you make a poster about a horse. A sawhorse is still a horse, Bill. <laughs> yeah, Come on. True, true. <laughs> all right. Well, that'll do it for this week. Thanks for being here, guys. Thanks for having us, Matt. This week we talked about things to look back at before you... Move ahead to 2023, whether it's yield data, soil samples, or just making sure you get those parts on order. In our spotlight, we talked about a different way of making nitrogen available for crops with nitricity. Egg History Minute, we talked about the invention of the corn sheller. Cool beans this week was corn and soybean harvest is near complete. That's corny, was bird flu still hanging around, making itself kind of a pain in our butts and our field good friday was flexible 4-h programming helping more people learn about ag and other topics so thanks for listening and as always happy farming